oftentimes when tragedy hits a family and somebody becomes disabled, it becomes very costly. Um, this equipment is not inexpensive. Um, any type of uh, mobility equipment or adaptations to a, uh, a vehicle or your house can run, you know, into tens of thousands of dollars in a home, hundreds of thousands even. Um, so to get something which may sound simple, you know, a, a, a outdoor uh, stroller can be, you know, a great deal of money. And, and oftentimes that that is a hardship on the family, so they're unable to do it. This is episode number 156 with Gary and Mary Linfoot. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host, Barbara Allen, and we have another awesome episode for you here today, another inspiring story, and we're going to dive right into it with Gary and Mary Linfoot. Uh, Gary Linfoot was on his 21st combat deployment when his helicopter experienced mechanical failures and crashed. Gary suffered a spinal injury that left him paralyzed from the waist down. Together, Gary and his wife, Mary, worked to adjust to their own new normal. And along the way, they've been supported by incredible people and organizations like the Gary Sinise Foundation, which gifted them a customized home, and the Infinite Hero Foundation, which gifted Gary with an iBot-powered wheelchair. The Linfoots are now paying it forward with their own organization, the American Mobility Project. They recently gifted custom iBots to two young women, and have also been able to gift various adaptive equipment to others. In this episode, Gary and Mary share their story of service, sacrifice, and finding purpose in their own pain. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Gary and Mary Linfoot. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen, and today I am sitting down with the founders of an incredible organization, the American Mobility Project. It's it's the actual name is what the Bountiful American Foundation doing business as the American Mobility Project, if I am not mistaken. And its core mission is to provide equipment, resources, and adaptations to enhance the independent living for people with disabilities. And that sounds very neat and concise, but there are a lot of layers to that and a lot of emotions attached to all that and a lot of hard work attached to that. Gary and Mary Linfoot are two incredible Americans who have worked together to serve our country in their own way. Gary is a veteran who was injured in his, in his line of service, and this is how his whole life progressed to evolve into doing the work he is today. But I'm not going to get into that story. I'm going to ask them to share their story and all the incredible, amazing work they're doing today. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be here with us and share your story and your work with our community. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, it is excellent. I got to meet you both briefly at some various events that we both kind of attended. You guys were like the rock stars of the event, and I just sort of snuck my way into most of them. But I did get to to see you there and hear a little bit of your story, you know, in person. And I was blown away then, and I'm more blown away now the more I get to dig into it a little. Let's talk a little bit uh, first, Gary, about your service. Okay. Um, so I was a helicopter pilot in the Army. I was with the uh, 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Um, and by May of 2008, I had completed one combat rotation to Afghanistan, and I was on number 20 uh, to Iraq when the helicopter I was in suffered a mechanical failure. And uh, we ended up having a, a hard landing, or you could, you could even call it a crash. I would probably call it a crash. Probably, I mean, yeah. That's yeah. the word well, I would say come to my mind. If you walk away, it's a hard landing. If oh, you don't that? crash, it was half and half with us. Is that what they say? I guess my kids have had a lot of hard landings then too in our cars. Um, yeah. All right. So 20 de- 21 deployments? That's that's crazy. I was, you know, a military spouse. I guess I always am technically, but, you know, just having the one deployment under or, or about. I just know what a 
what a difficult life that can be on the other end. Uh, Mary, how is that? Let's go a little bit into to being the spouse of somebody who is deployed and some of the challenges that you face, or maybe there were no challenges. Maybe it was just a piece of cake for you and you just did it all by yourself without even worrying about anything. What is that like to be a military spouse raising children while your husband is deployed all the time? It was very busy. And at first, you know, it was very scary too. Um, you just, you know, you want, you wondered what was going to happen, what it was going to be like. Um, and if he would come home and, you know, it, some of his friends didn't come home. And so then, you know, it was just hard, but you just kept going on. You tried to make things as normal as possible for the kids when, when you know, he was gone. And with the way Gary's deployments were, he was home and gone about equal amount of time. So he was in and out of our lives so often. I all, you know, at first we would have a big fanfare and make a big sign. Dad was home. And then I thought, Oh, we should have just put this on a blind and hung it on the front porch. We could just <laughs> open and lower it. Welcome home, dad. Um, so it did get pretty routine and um, you know, there'd be times that he would come home and we would all be at the ball field because it was so often. And I had to keep the normalcy with the kids. So um, it was hard. I think I'm learning it was harder on the kids than they showed at the time um, from things that they say in adulthood and about how it was for them. So kids are resilient, as you know, and uh, they help us as moms as we go along the way. Um, when, you know, I always thought Gary would come home or, or he wouldn't. I didn't the whole thing of becoming home severely injured did not really come into my mind. So um, especially I think maybe being a pilot, you know, usually, you know, they don't survive a crash. So, um, or it's not that bad of a crash. So, so that was a complete unexpected thing that happened that happened to us. Yeah. Um, I would say so. How did you find out what had happened? Well, I'd been at the ball field with my daughter all day and it was nine o'clock at night. I was walking through the front door. My son had been home alone all day. So I'd stopped and got his favorite ice cream. I thought, well, well, that's one way I can get some time with him and came in and the door and the phone was ringing. It was the house phone back then and picked it up. And he said, it was Gary. And he said, has anybody from the unit contacted you? And immediately my heart sunk because I thought, oh, something really bad happened to somebody. And, um, he told me that he broke his back and I was sad because I thought, wow, this guy's going to have a sore back the rest of his life. And then he told me he couldn't move his legs. And, um, I really, I, that registered, I knew what it meant, but I also put that in the back of my mind, like, oh, wow, this is going to take a long time to get over. It's not going to be quick and easy. Um, but you know, he's he's this big bad night stalker. He's going to, you know, this is going to be fine. We'll get through it and um, thought it would be okay. I did have the presence of mind to have him talk to our two kids that were home just so that they could hear their dad's voice and realize that he as a person was mm -hmm. okay. And um, when we hung up, my son, who was 14 at the time, our son said, just looked at me in my eyes and said, mom, this means he never has to go back, right? So that's what was important is his dad would be coming home for forever. So that was, yeah. um, and then of course you just go into management mode, trying to figure out what you're going to do. And, you know, you don't know when you're going to meet him, where you're going to help him, what it's all going to be. So you're just going crazy on managing things. Yeah. Um, it is like one day you have your routine, you're in your zone. And then like that, it's just, everything just falls out underneath you and, and you have to readjust and you know, that happens. And unfortunately you guys are like one of the lucky stories, you know, if you, if you look at it like that, which is a crazy, a crazy thing to say, but you know, I I've had the pleasure of meeting so many veterans over the years and a lot of, uh, a lot of them have been injured in, in various ways as well. And I will say the the resilience and the strength and the grace and the underscoring of what you all have been through is just incredible to me. And I think it's really what, what sets based on my experience, what I've seen, it's what sets apart the people who rebuild, not only just rebuild, but go on to do incredible things 
as a result of where their path was taken, you know, instead. And that is something that you two have both done. What I'm, what I find especially interesting about your organization, we've spoken to veterans and military families who create organizations specifically to focus on other veterans. You all have opened up your your lives and are dedicating lives to civilians based on your experience. And that is especially unique in terms of what I personally have come across or seen. Can you talk about your organization and, and what you all do? Um, well, a little bit of background on it. When, when, when I came home and after I recovered, Mary and I started um, going around throughout the country at schools, talking to kids about, um, citizenship, the, uh, the cost of freedom, what had happened to me. And we also showcase some high tech, uh, mobility equipment that I had received, um, specifically the iBot wheelchair. And we would talk to them about the importance of STEM and, and how STEM had benefited us and how I was able to, to use this high tech mobility equipment to go about my daily life. What is STEM? Um, science, technology, engineering, okay. mathematics. All right. Want to play uh, that up there. Yep. And, and so one thing we noticed going to these schools, we, we'd come across people who were um, in wheelchairs, but they didn't have access to the same equipment that a veteran would have. And, um, you know, I, I felt by and large veterans were well taken care of when it came to uh, prosthetics and mobility equipment. Of course, there's always room for improvement, but for the most part, we, we had really good equipment and what the VA could not provide. There were many um, civilian nonprofit organizations that catered to military veterans. Um, and that's where I received my IBOT. Um, so it always, it always, you know, pulled at our heartstrings to see other individuals who you just knew were never going to have access to the same um, equipment as easily as, as we had access to. So we always um, wanted to make a change. And just over the years, um, you know, really 12 years in the, uh, the making, we, last year we finally decided to put, uh, uh, thoughts into action and, and make it happen. So we, we formed the, uh, nonprofit with our good friend, Bob Hyde and, um, Mary scheduled the first fundraiser dinner in February and did all the heavy lifting to make that happen. And, um, we, we had a very successful um, event, which was focused on, on getting an iBot wheelchair for a uh, local girl uh, named Emily uh, here in the Clarksville area, who was uh, struck by a, uh, a drunk driver when she was five, mm-hmm. um, and she's now 15, entering high school, and we wanted to get her one of these new iBots that had just now come, come out again. Um, cause we felt it would really enhance her life and make things easier for her and make high school more enjoyable for her. Yeah. So how did you connect with your, with the organization that provided you with the iBot? I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, falling out of the sky at you, you know, cause especially it is not something that every veteran or every person you know, has access to. It's a pretty, and then it, in the course of that question, I should probably, I keep thinking I got to go back a little. Uh, explain what the iBot is. Okay. Well, the iBot is is a um, high-tech power wheelchair. Not only serves as a, a normal power wheelchair, it also has limited four-wheel drive capability. It climbs and descends stairs. And then using the same technology that is present in a Segway, it will stand up and balance on two wheels, and it will bring the user to a sitting height um, of of just shy of six feet. Um, and that's, that's probably the most remarkable feature of the uh, chair itself is it it brings you back to eye level. Um, so when you have a conversation with somebody and instead of them having to look down at you and you look up at them, you're once again, eye to eye. That's something that most people, and I certainly, I'm on the tall side for, for a chick, I'm told, you know, five ten somewhere around there. And so I never really stopped to consider that. Until I started, uh, you know, talking to to people who do have to consider that and who do look up, and it's all those little little things. Like I'm laying in bed this morning, got a lot of things on my mind, but one of them was not getting up out of bed. You know, I just mm-hmm. those things that you just don't even take a second to think about because it's so taken for granted by 
by all of us, so many things we, we all take for granted. So what was that like for you then to go from that limited mobility really to that whole different range of mobility that the iBot offered? Yeah. And, and again, the question, how did you get to connect? Well, so, so the question on how I, I came yeah. about receiving the iBot, um, our, our, our unit has always been very active in the war on terror. And unfortunately, we've had um, quite a few um, incidents that have um, injured or, or killed um, our crew members. And we had had a um, uh, MH-47 had crashed in Afghanistan. And one of the injured crew members uh, was paralyzed. And at the time, our regimental commander, uh, um, Colonel Huttmacher, so I'm not sure exactly how he came in touch with this organization, but this organization provided um, this soldier and I bought wheelchair. So um, Colonel Huttmacher had pretty good visibility on this organization, what they did. Um, so it was shortly after um, I was injured. I think within a month, really, he asked me if I would be interested in a iBot wheelchair. And, and really, I had no idea what the device was. And he kind of explained it a little bit. Um, and I said, it sounds like that could be something I could use, especially um, our house had, had two levels. We had stairs. We live in Tennessee, so there are hills everywhere, and, and pushing up those hills in a manual wheelchair can be difficult. Um, so I, I accepted his offer, and um, October 2008, I was presented with the iBot and you know, sh brought it home shortly after that, and just began figuring out life and, and how to uh, how I could use this wheelchair uh, to benefit myself. And um, slowly, slowly but surely, I start to see doors open up again that I thought had been closed uh, closed forever. Not only you know gaining accessibility um, in a world that's not as accessible as you think it is, um, but I was able to get all the goodies that she would hide on the top shelf in the kitchen. <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. No. <laughs> you thought there were going to be some perks, right? But no, not, not so much. The perks are gone. Uh, so yeah. is there, I mean, is there a learning curve involved in using, in using the iBot? Are there any like oopsies that are a little humorous in your head or was it, there's just nothing funny about it? Like or Maybe we that? shouldn't talk about that stuff on <laughs> online video or something that could be used against me um, later. Um, but like any, any piece of equipment, um, yeah. when you first get in it, they, they teach you the basics and then you go out into the real world and you, and you figure it out. Um, but the, um, the chair is very safe. It's very uh, intuitive how to use it. And, um, it is, it's a remarkable piece of equipment. And this was back in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 2009, they stopped making the, uh, the device. Johnson & Johnson had the rights to the company. They just weren't able to make a, a profit to keep a, a good um, business, model. business model going with the chair. So they had to uh, cease making the chair. And that really upset a lot of people um, who were users of the iBot because they, they – they knew what it meant to them. And, yeah. and so suddenly they're like, well, what are we going to do when it breaks or how do I get a new one? So that door suddenly shut. Um, however, uh, Dean Kamen, who was the inventor of the iBot, he, if I get the story right, he bought the rights back from Johnson and Johnson for, for a dollar. Um, so he had the rights to, um, produce and manufacture the iBot at some other time. Um, and so what, what they did over a 10 year period is they went in with modern technology, redesigned it, um, shed about 85 pounds off the uh, device um, and went from being black and gray to it's just all black. And so it looks, it looks cool. Um, it has modern uh, digital um, and LED uh, technology in it, um, lithium ion batteries, uh, and it's just, it, it's just a much better product now than it was when it was first invented in 2001. You know, we've made a, a huge leap in technology since then. And it's all, it's all packaged right there in this new iBot that has come out. So what did people do in those 10 years? What did you do if you had an issue with your iBot, if it broke or needed repairs? Well, for a few years, uh, I was able to get um, repairs and, and parts. Um, but um, 
I forget what the time frame was, but really, I guess probably about three or four years after they stopped making them, they they came out and said, hey, at, at this cutoff date, we will no longer be able to service the iBot, um, and you'll no longer be able to get parts for it, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we're all done. Um, so I, whatever I could afford in parts, I bought those parts, and I tried to pick parts that I thought were going to wear out, like, you know, simple stuff like uh, like tires and inner tubes. Um, uh, components of the seat that I knew would batteries. wear out. Um, what else? Batteries. Oh, batteries. Key, mm-hmm. key thing there, um, which were very expensive. So I, I bought as much as I could in order to keep mine going. And I tell you, it is, it's a very durable machine because I have had it in some crazy situations and it's been, it's been banged up, beat up, and it's, it's still running today. Was there um, that we, we, thought in your head, like, this is a finite thing, like you have this mobility now and were you like looking ahead and thinking one day this is going to end? Like, mm-hmm. I, you, I'm just imagining you, what I would be thinking in that situation. Like, what the hell? Yeah, like, what am you I knew, supposed to Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. A, it's a machine. So yeah. you knew that any day that it could just stop working for no apparent reason. Um, and. Well, and during that time, we wouldn't travel with it like on a plane because it, it, oftentimes, you know, damage can happen to a wheelchair on an airplane. And then you let it go and you're trusting someone to lift it and put it in a small spot. So, you know, we really did miss out on a lot of opportunities. We went to Hawaii and, you know, we couldn't take it and we would have had so much more opportunity there had we been able to take it. We couldn't take sure. it to the beach anymore because you, you just didn't want to risk losing all of it, um, you know, on a trip. And um, Gary used the iBot, used the iBot every day, but he used it in our old neighborhood to walk the dog. And it was the only way to walk the dog was in the iBot. And it's like just that simple act you just did not want to lose. So. Yeah, it really, that's a major perspective adjuster right there, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, all along there were, there were individuals and organizations that were, you know, immediately went to work on, on trying to get the, uh, iBot reintroduced. Um, and so I know I, I went to Washington DC with a couple of the folks and we were able to, um, testify in front of the FDA on the importance of the iBot and, and in an attempt to get it reclassified from the medical classification that it had to what it has now. Um, and so. What is that difference? Um, I'm I'm probably going to get these wrong, but like I, I think a class one medical device is the same as a pacemaker, and that's what the iBot was classified as. So anytime they made a even just a slight change to it, they had to go through the entire um, recertification process again, oh, okay. which, my understanding, cost millions of dollars. So when they got it changed to a class two or or three, whatever it is now, um, it became just like any other wheelchair, um, you know, so they can make changes and and you know, continue to develop it and it would be, um, it, it wouldn't cost as much really. And it's more customizable for the size of the person. And like, you can have different seat backs now, which was more comfortable for sitting for your, your body and your injury. So, um, so that's like been a big improvement on yeah. the chair. Yeah. The old one was, uh, it was, it was built for the masses. So it was really one size fits nobody. Um, yeah. <laughs> just you just made it work, um, but now the uh, the seat itself is uh, it's um, fully modular and customizable to the individual user. Awesome. Okay, so now you have that iBot, and people are working to put it back into production, and all that. And how long did that take before iBots started being made available again? It, right about ten years. 10 years. Um, they just um, they just came out, started rolling out the assembly line uh, this year. Um, they, there might have been one or two that came out in 2019, but the ones that I'm familiar with really start coming off the assembly line in uh, 2020. So you guys didn't waste any time. Mm-hmm. They're just no. available, and you guys were like right there, like yeah. And, and I was very fortunate. I, I I received a new iBot from a uh, organization called the Infinite Hero Foundation. They provided it uh, as well as uh, four other veterans. Um, so I, I, again, I was I was very fortunate. I had this wonderful device that I was able to use again, and you know, it, it's something that's life changing and it just makes life so much easier for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was able to keep on going. 
That's great. And so you could have just taken the wheelchair and been like, okay, we're good to go. We got ours, our family set. I'm set. Let's move on to the next part of our lives because I don't want to think about iBots anymore or, you know, but you did. But it. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not why we're really put here on that, this earth. Is it? It's always, yeah. um, we're put here to help other people and to serve other people. So we, we wanted to do our part. And so, think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, we have thought about purpose and God has a plan through this whole thing. And as we went throughout the last 12 years, it's just been guiding us to this point. And, um, you know, we're just trying to listen and do what we feel we're supposed to do. And all the people that are being put in our, in our path along the way to help us. And people are so encouraging and, helpful and generous that we just really feel like this is the plan. Yeah. yeah and, I, and, I, and I think oftentimes when you're injured in the way I was injured, you, what you think was your purpose in life is, is totally shattered. It's gone. And so you have to discover what this new purpose is. And I think I've, I think I now know that um, just like the seasons, change your purpose in life changes and so for a time my purpose was flying helicopters and and doing bad things to bad people um and then it was helping teach other uh, pilots how to fly uh, the helicopter in a flight simulator and now we're in a position that um you know we can go out and help people gain the uh, the mobility that that they deserve and so this has become our purpose in life right now another thing too is um gary last year gary well gary and i were recipient of a home through the gary sinise foundation and it's just a great way to pay it forward and as you probably know gary sinise has something he says and it's about first responders and you know, our, well, our nation's defenders, military first responders, and that we can never do enough to show our gratitude, but we can always do a little more. So in the spirit of doing a little more, um, this is something that we want to do. And because of the generosity of Americans and this home and all the people that participated, including the local builders and, and distributors and all the people, then we are it's given us the ability to spend time and resources on building this um, for other people. And um, it's, it's just the right thing. I love that. Um, The Gary Sinise foundation is one of the organizations that directly impacted my family as well. A direct line when we were coming, I was just on the tail end of some very, very, very bad years and just about to start a new job and the new life. And I had that window of a couple months before it was all going to come together. And there was the Gary Sinise Foundation, like right there, say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we got you this one last time. And now they're running Snowball Express, which has had yeah. a huge impact, it, extraordinary impact on my life and other people. So you just can't get, you can't go say enough good things about Gary Sinise, you know, and, and the work he does. So. I, I always love running into someone. It seems like you can't shake a stick almost in the military community without hitting somebody who you know, Gary Sinise has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back on. That's a crazy, amazing legacy that he's leaving to so many people. Yeah. So the iBot is out in 2020, 2019, but it takes a while to create an organization and to get up and running. So I'm imagining you didn't say, oh, here's the iBot, let's create an organization. Or which, what came first, the iBot or the organization? The, I, I guess, well, the, the seeds of the organization came first. Um, you know, we were always thinking about it. And then one, one day, uh, just sitting on the computer and, and I, I went to one of these websites and, and got it going and, and told Mary, all right, we, uh, we've got the paperwork in for the 501c3. We've got this came up with a name, name the organization. And she says, well, I guess we're in business. We're going to make this happen. And, uh, and so it went from there. Was that 2019 or early 20? Yeah, we really spent, 19. yeah, we really spent 2019 getting all our ducks in a row as far as paperwork. We wanted to make sure that we 
had everything right before we started to grow. And then, you know, the things came in towards the tail end of 2019 and we're said, <clears throat> put a date on the calendar for that first fundraiser. And whether you think you're going to be ready or not, you have to be. So yeah, <laughs> ready, fire, the, aim, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we put the date, um, February 20th and, um, which we were very fortunate that it happened before all of COVID. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And we had a fundraiser in our local community. We had put out there that we <clears> wanted <throat> to get this iBot for Emily. And we were pretty nervous. You know, we had to raise, it's um, an iBot's not cheap. We had to raise a lot of money. And so we just went into it with, um, let's just hope this happens because you don't want to promise this beautiful girl right, <laughs> to right. share yeah. and then not to be able to deliver. And I tell you what, um, the, our community came out like we never expected. And Clarksville is not a, you know, doesn't have a super wealthy community. We're an average American town and um, people were very, very generous. We think a lot of it is because people want to see where their money's going. They want to, they want to feel good about it. They want to know. And, and it was very tangible that night, particularly, you know, I thought Thursday night, people are going to want to race out there, get home. People hung around. They were so happy to be there and be a part of it and offered help. And we exceed, we exceeded our goal three times. Yeah. We, we, we thought that if we raised enough to pay for one chair, even if we were, you know, one and done that it would, it would be a success and, and we accomplished the, uh, the mission. So it was all worth starting an organization for that one, for that one device. Uh, but like Mary said, we, we, we tripled our goal. Um, we picked up some corporate sponsors. Um, and since then we, uh, we just, we just announced, uh, yesterday to, uh, one of our recipients, um, who is the fifth iBot recipient that, uh, American mobility foundation, our project has, uh, has funded. Um, so yeah, we're, we're rolling in hot. And we don't, we don't only just do iBots. We do, um, the iBots kind of been the signature because we feel like it's the most technological advance for like a paraplegic or some quadriplegics. Um, but we also do other, whatever the person needs to best enhance their life. So we, um, we've got a boy in our community, Jeffrey, who was um, injured in a, on the football field, and he uses a sip and puff chair. Well, he's an avid hunter, and he is not able to hunt without sip and puff equipment. So we were able to fund that for him. So now he can hunt. And um, we also announced yesterday to a family, um, placed the order for their daughter, Meg. She, um, she has a genetic disorder, and she can can barely walk. She, you know, maybe through the grocery store and that. So she's 15 years old and her mom pushes her in one of like the wheelchair strollers. But the insurance would, because she has a little bit of walking ability, the insurance company wouldn't give her a very good one, you know, just for inside basically. And her family is very outdoorsy and they like to go to the beach and they like to go to the mountains and they like to go in snow. They like to go in the trails in our community. And so we were able to um, get her an all-terrain wheelchair stroller and basically change that family's ability to go places and do things outdoors. So she was so thrilled. Her mom was so thrilled. And um, so we're able to make a difference in um, different kinds of ways. So it's not just focus on the iBot. Yeah. And, and I think we should also mention that um, oftentimes when tragedy hits a family and somebody becomes disabled, it becomes very costly. Um, this equipment is not inexpensive. Um, any type of uh, mobility equipment or adaptations to a, uh, a vehicle or your house can run, you know, into tens of thousands of dollars in a home, hundreds of thousands even. Um, so to get something which may sound simple, you know, a, a, a outdoor uh, stroller can be, you know, a great deal of money. And, and oftentimes, that that is a hardship on the family, so they're unable to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, so we mm-hmm. so our, our a ramp into to, the house or something it, like that. Exactly. You know, it's just who has. And often, when it, it, an accident, tragedy happens, everybody stops work. You're sucked back. Things mm-hmm. pile up, and so now you're playing catch up. Maybe you were already playing catch up before a, the tragedy happens, right? Or the 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 incident happens, and then 
things just pile up and pile up and pile up. And now how are you supposed to have extra money to, to do something yeah. simple, like put a ramp in so somebody can get in and out of their home. <laughs> yeah. Right. You no, know, it's just, yeah. yeah you guys must be just making such an enormous impact in the, in the lives that, that you are touching. I'm going to guess it feels pretty good to, to be able to not it, like in a selfish gloating way, but you know, no, just no, very it's, warm, it's, like, it's like yeah. that feeling you get at Christmas when, yes. when you're able to give a gift and, and yes. you know, we kind of see ourselves as we're, we're just helping connect the dots. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's, there's so much generosity out there and, and we have, um, you know, some great don'ts who have um, stepped up to the plate and, and made the donations and made this possible. Um, none of this is possible without uh, people donating money and, yeah. yeah. And what you just said, I would like you, I'm going to ask you to repeat it because I know uh, there's a, there's a almost like a push for everybody in this country to believe that there's just nothing good in this country anymore and all this, but you just said it. And it's what we believe here is that people, there's a lot of generosity still in this, in this world and specifically in this country, that's who's helping. Yeah. This, this country, I think has been, you know, research has shown time and time again, that is the most, uh, we have the most generous people live right here in America. We have, there, there, there is, there is an abundance even in hard times and, and people, um, you know, they, they want to give back. They want to help people. They want to make sure that folks that need this equipment can get it. And this is their way of, of giving back. And again, uh, like Mary mentioned earlier, it is, it is something very tangible. Um, when we were raising the money for, uh, the wheelchair for, for Emily, you know, we said, we, we, we showed off, we had three iBots there and we showed them all off and we're like, you know, to get her into this wheelchair, the only way it's possible is it is through you. So you guys please write that check tonight and right. make this a possibility. And they did it. That's crazy. What does an average iBot cost? So um, basically just over 32,000 for the, wow. for the ones that we buy equipped in the way that we equip them with. Right. Um, I think the, the base price is, is 30,000 and depending on the options that are needed, it can be upwards of 35,000. Yeah. That's a significant expense for, uh, for anyone really, but especially. That's so, a well-equipped car. Yeah. 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 It is expensive. Yeah. And then, you know, then we do pay for their training to go to New Hampshire for a day and a half for training and that. So it does, we do really need to raise about $40,000 for each chair. Yeah. Um, and it is very expensive, but you also think about medical equipment and the way people's lives change through medicine and, you know, medic, medic hospital stays and stuff like that. It, um, it's actually not so expensive. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely worth it. And, um, we are thrilled to be able to provide these and get these people in them. I wanted to tell you about hope. Hope was one of our first recipients and she's going off to college. And I know that you just dropped somebody off at college yeah, your son. Yeah. and, um, yeah. It's like, I don't know if it's completely flat at his college, but I doubt it. And you know, imagine trying to roll up hills, you know, getting from class to class and her whole family can be like, okay, she's good. You know, when she's yeah. got a class up a hill, she could take that iBot and she's good to go. So it's so much, you giving so much at that, at that cost. Yeah. The world, yeah. world's not as accessible as, as you think it is at times. Um, and, and these devices, um, such as the iBot, um, re really insurance companies are operating off of our archaic uh, legislation that was, was um, written back in the 1940s as far as mobility equipment. Um, so they, they do not see the insurance companies do not view the uh, four-wheel drive capability or the uh, balance mode or the stair climbing mode as net medical necessities. Um, therefore, they won't pay for it. Um, you know, there is that going to require legislation to change? Absolutely. That's the, that's the only way to, that's the only way to change. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and my understanding back in the forties, when the legislation was written, when someone was injured, they really stayed at home. They didn't go back out and join the workforce. They didn't get out yeah. and work their farm and go back to work. Um, so 
insurance companies such as Medicare, they're, they, you know, their goal is to keep you alive and in your house. Right. And, you know, not get you back out. So that's, that is, that is the challenge right now. Is that something you all are thinking of being involved in or working it's, towards? It's funny you say that. We were, <laughs> yeah, we were just, we, we were, that came up in a conversation um, yesterday. Um, you know, maybe that's, that becomes part of our, our mission is to uh, make change in, in the legislation and, and help, um, help make these devices more accessible to people. Yeah, I could see I could see that coming down based on on where you're going, where it happens. It, I feel like if it's going to be anybody, <laughs> you two have as good a shot, you know. And you're you're the ones out there actually doing the things, and not to put any pressure on you or anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna like change everything into it, but you know. And I'd certainly love to uh, to stay in touch and be a part of helping you in any way that we can in spreading the words and, and getting people to get involved. And work through it. Now, in in the middle of doing all of this, you all have a family to raise and to provide for and to pay your own bills. So you're both working your own careers as you are navigating, you know, recovering from your injuries and and learning how to adapt to your new your new body as it is, and you're and you're all adapting to the shifts that that creates in the family life and all that. But in the meantime, you're raising three children and you're working your careers, you found a new career and you're working your career while you're raising kids. How do you do that? Do you have advice for people who may be going, that's a lot of, that's a lot of significant change and things to balance and juggle and all that. And I, I'm imagining that you, you went through ups and downs through that whole process. Do you have advice for anyone else who is facing a situation that maybe they feel overwhelmed and they're juggling and they don't know how to adapt to this change or a sudden, a sudden change in their lives that impacts everything. What I tell like new caregivers that going through what kind of what I went through at the beginning was um, just give yourself a break. It, this is a mess that you're living. I call it the spinning time. Your life spins. If you're behind, your spouse becomes paralyzed, your life is in spinning mode for at least two years. And depending on if you've had to move or different things like that, um, up to five years, just completely every day is problem solving all day long and not knowing what's next and feeling like what's going to happen now or why and how. And, um, so give yourself a break. It, it is a mess and it is sad and it is hard. So don't, don't feel bad that those, that it is sad and hard and you're not conquering it all because, um, because carrying guilt about that is just adding one more thing. So that's, um, that's one thing I suggest. And um, I, I was a realtor when Gary got hurt and I carried on that career for, well, up until last year when I retired my license. And it just kind of became too much of, um, I'm working on my own problems here and solving that I don't really need to worry about a $40 repair on a hose, you know? <laughs> so, um, and with this house and moving forward, I think, um, you know, that that was something that was just like a no brainer for me. And that's what worked for me. But I think it, the biggest thing is give yourself a break and um, everything's not going to be perfect around the house and those things that you would normally like to be perfect. Yes. And, and and for me, I think uh, I think you you focus on the little victories. Um, Admiral McRaven, uh, excuse me, McRaven said that if um, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. You know that that one small accomplishment, yeah. that one little victory. Focus on that, and those little victories become bigger and bigger. And just keep moving forward. Um, just keep keep staying at it and and making things happen. And it does, it does get better. Um, you know, like Mary said, the first, the first year especially was just a, a whirlwind. Of, it was a mess. I, I didn't know if I was coming or going, um, but it gets better. And, and over time, it will never be the way it was before, unfortunately, depending on, you know, what the circumstances of your injury and everything. Um, but I found that life does get better, um, you know, Surround yourself with with good people. Um, have have faith in God above, and and keep moving forward. I think, and I think one of the biggest part 
of healing and moving forward was for us to go out and give back. That was, you know, Gary did a lot of speaking throughout the country to, to children and um, businesses and talk about, you know, overcoming adversity and patriotism and things like that. And it, it made you, you accomplished something. You made other people feel better. You brought an awareness. Um, you perhaps changed um, children for the better and gave them some, some kind of a new foundation. Um, so giving was actually a big part of it when you're living in your own chaos as well. Uh, all of that. I say yes to all of that. Having <laughs> gone through a completely different set of circumstances, but uh, having had everything of what you just said played into, into my life too. And I can attest that all of what you just said does make a difference in how you're going to rebuild your life and, and move forward. And I love all of it. One thing we talk about here at American Snippets, why we started this, and you just touched on, you said the word patriotism, which I love because that's a gigantic part of our platform. Uh, we are adamant that the American dream is not in fact dead and buried and illusion and myth. We just believe it looks differently for everybody. We all have our own version of that. And we, we're living our own version and changing it every day and building and growing it. You all look like you know, you're doing the same, but because it's different for us and we have our own idea of what it is, we like to ask our guests, what does that version, what does the American dream look like for you? What's your version of it? Wow, that's a, a we're living it right now. Yeah, we our, our home is located on beautiful uh, 30 acre piece of land that backs up to a river and a bluff. Uh, we have cattle, so it's just it's just this peaceful life that we enjoy right now. Um, but we also enjoy doing what we're what we're doing with this organization and and um, you know our attempts to give back in some way. Um, so I. It, like it, it, that's a tough question because the dream is different for everybody. And yes. but right now, I think I think as I look out our window and and just the view I have right now, we're we're truly blessed and and we're living the dream. Well, I think too is is you know we a couple of weeks ago I went with the girls when they got to get in the iBot and for the first time and the smile on their faces. Emily was five when she was hurt, so she's never been an adult tall. You know, and then she get to be all tall and I, I, wow, that's crazy. I had goosebumps 50 times in, you know, in those two days, literal. And that's, I mean, that's living the American dream, be able to help other people's dreams come true. Yesterday we had a lady over and we got to tell her she was going to be the fifth um, iBot recipient from American Mobility Project. And she came through the front door and she said, this is the first time in eight years I've been able to go into somebody's house without somebody carrying me in. And, you know, so that is her freedom. And, um, you know, it's all because all these things are happening because people love other people and want to help other people. And people are generous. So from everything from the house and people that contributed to that, to people that are helping other people. And it's just a love of of the country and of people and doing the right thing that um, makes me feel like this is just number one place to be. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Even, even in tough times, the American dream is alive and well in this country. Mm -hmm. Don't let, don't let anybody tell you different. Yep. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Cause it really is what prompted us to go down this whole path that we're going down and that's evolved into another path we're about to start. So yeah, we believe that so strongly and everybody we speak to and feature um, does the same. So we can't all be wrong, right? Because yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could, but I'll, I'll take this kind of wrong. Listen, if people want to follow up with you all, learn more about your organization, get involved, donate, get behind you, share, spread the word, whatever it may be, how can they go about doing that? Go ahead. Okay. Um, our website is AmericanMobilityProject.org. And you can also follow us on Facebook at American Mobility Project. And we can be contacted through both of those. And we do follow up on both, um, both places on that. So, And keep watching because we got some um, more people to announce that are really great Americans that you can meet there and, and their stories of overcoming and all that good stuff. So mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, it's a pretty exciting time right now. 
Yeah, and, and recently we have received quite a few uh, requests uh, for for assistance. Um, so you know there there's a great need out there. Um, so we need we need people and we need corporations to to partner with us and and um, you know make those donations. Um, and you know we um, we're still new and we're developing, but um, we've just recently uh, come up with an application process and, and we we got to figure out how we're going to put that online. But um, soon. Um, People will be able to uh, to fill out a small application, at least get in the queue for for assistance if we are able to help them. Excellent, thank you guys both so much again for for your service and for all you do and for really taking the time. I know time is time is valuable, and we appreciate you taking yours to to share it with us. And we can't wait to to follow up and see all you're doing again. If there's anything we can do to be of support getting the word out. Um, we have some things coming down our pike too that we may be able to overlap and, and send your way to the best of our ability. But we just love everything that you're doing. And, and thank you so much. Well, thank thank you. you. Thanks for having well, us. Thank you. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Gary and Mary Linfoot for being here as well and sharing their story. If you want to learn more about Gary and Mary and their wonderful organization, the American Mobility Project, uh, just head on over to americansnippets.com. Again, each week we do a full written story on every one of our guests. You can re-listen to the podcast uh, episode. You can watch the full video interview in its entirety from YouTube uh, and also read the article as well. And we also put some links in there that you can use to follow Gary and Mary on social media and visit their website, the American Mobility Project. If you got any value out of today's episode, please just click the share button, share this on Instagram or Facebook, uh, let people know what we're doing here. And uh, if you really enjoyed this episode or any episode that we've done in the past, added value to your life, you felt inspired by the story, uh, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. Yeah.